0: Uh, Man, (laughs) probably never more was there a time where we need this. Uh, People have been cooped up in homes and finding out things about their marriages they never knew. Um, So praise the Lord, Rigby and Sue Wallace are going to help us with that. But before we introduce them, I actually want to bring PJ up because um, one of the good outcomes, there have been good outcomes of this whole pandemic thing, right? I mean, you have to kind of look for some of the silver linings, but one is that PJ has had time to finish... Uh, four books that he's been writing that are resources for advanced churches. So advanced publishing has made a big push during this time uh, to get these books out. And so we just wanted to give a real quick flash of each one. So PJ, tell us what we got here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These books have been on the go for years and years and years. So I just put the cross the T's and dot the I's. Okay, so These are all what I consider core resources. I've led churches for 25 years, and these are the things that we've always needed and that I've developed over the years. The first one is Crossing the Line of Faith. So it's a short book. It's um, six or 7,000 words, and it's to give to someone who has either recently crossed the line of faith... Uh, or is considering crossing the line of faith. So we give it to people on Sundays who are either considering or who have just crossed. And it's designed um, four short, three four short chapters, you can see up there, and uh, then common objections at the end. And it works really well. It's got study questions at the end of each short chapter for you to take your friend through it, or you. I've taken groups through it before. And over the years, I think I did a guesstimate. I think... Um, I've taken about 100 people through it, and about 12 of them have crossed the line of faith actually as a result of that, and a lot of others were already over the line of faith. But that's that one. And then Baptism, uh, it's, a, it's a short book booklet to give to people who are considering getting baptized, and it's got questions as well, and it's really useful if you're taking a an individual towards baptism, um, or a, a class towards baptism. I don't mm-hmm. know if you can read any of those questions, but it, it's the zenith, the drama, the benefits. Should every, all believers be baptized? Um, should infants, should children, what age? What about re-baptism? What about baby thanksgivings? And is uh, baptism a prerequisite for church membership? And then part two is reviewing the practicalities and then part three is making the most of it from an evangelistic point of view. And the third one is how the gospel moves from friend to friend. Um, so practical reasons why the gospel must go from friend to friend rather than just from preaching. Um, then uh, biblical reasons for it and some encouragement. And then in terms of get going, it's tips on how to make friends, have productive gospel friendships. The best chapter in it is on cruise like a fishing crew. How can you team up with two or three other believers in your church and fish together with your different strengths? Some are good at gathering unbelievers. Some of us are hopeless at that. And the gatherers need us lot or whatever side you're not on. Um, So it's much more fun and sustainable when you're fishing in crews. And then the fourth book, which is the big one, um, is Elders, Developing Elders and Revitalizing Teams and um, some of you have seen pre-copies of that, but they're all coming out on November the 1st and they're on, there's a Kindle version and a print version, and so I hope those will be useful to you. Thanks, Eric.
0: Thanks, PJ. All right, now we are going to uh, jump right in with uh, Rigby and Sue Wallace. There they are, beautifully on the screen. Thanks to Ryan and Easton for working out all the tech. I think we're in good shape. Um, So good to see you guys. I see you guys now more than I did before the pandemic. So it's just wonderful. How are you guys doing?
2: Yeah, we're good. Good. I feel so much better sitting at my kitchen table.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you guys are coming to us from Cape Town, South Africa. You're going to be uh, talking a little bit about marriage. How long have you guys been married for? 44 years, Eric. 44. Wow. Yeah, I mean, let's give it up for 44 years. And they're still smiling. Good for you. Well, we. Oh, there it is. Oh, now, Rig, you're really pouring it on. Well, we want to know a little bit about the secret of this 44 years and hear from you guys. And then we're going to do a panel. But um, yeah, so for about 20 minutes, if you can just uh, blow our minds, Rig and Sue. Great to have
3: you here. Thank you. Thanks. So we are uh, super, super pleased to be with you guys. And we bring you greetings from the advanced family of churches uh, in southern Africa, from uh, all the uh, partnering churches here in Cape Town, and from Common Ground, which is the spiritual tribe that we're a part of. Uh, We can't wait to get on the other side of some of all these restrictions uh, to be able to be with you and so many of you that we 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 know we want to be hugged and to give you our hugs too. You guys are precious and uh, such a joy and a thrill to get this opportunity to to eyeball you and to hopefully encourage you. Uh, so I want to uh, kind of marry this uh, this little uh, input to. Just the context that we find ourselves in it's a context that's not too similar to the first century church in terms of facing big giants uh you know like persecution uh the reality of probably lots of economic hardship and uh i'm hoping to to anchor us more than excite us in the promises uh, that run through scripture uh Sue and I uh, have had so many conversations lately around, yes, coronavirus uh, is, is, is a terrible uh, and, and dangerous virus, and one that we should uh, do everything we can to avoid uh, being exposed to. But there's this other thought that uh, uh, equally dangerous is this notion that we can be exposed by the coronavirus. It can expose the fault lines in our marriage. It can expose uh, some of the, uh, oh, the underlying comorbidities. Yeah, those things are spiritual comorbidities. Uh, they surface. And we often say to each other that, uh, uh, you know, we grow more in a fiery furnace than we grow in a jacuzzi. And it seems like in the sovereignty of God, he's... Uh, He's created Fiery Furnace Times, and I think the book of Peter kind of describes that. So I want to read to you, if you'd like to turn on your devices, Bibles, to 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. And uh, I'm going to read it, then Sue's going to pray, and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit just to really uh, uh, bring to our hearts three big things that hopefully will encourage us going forward. So he writes in 1 Peter 4:12 to 19, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you what will become of the ungodly and the sinner and here's the key verse therefore let those who suffer according to god's will, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good let's bring our hearts before god as we pray
2: father we come to you um today in the name of your son jesus we thank you that we belong to you. We thank you that we are all fully known by you and that we know you. And um, we do ask Jesus that in this next uh, little while that we would um, all turn our hearts from, from things that are troubling us, things that are burdening us, those that have come with, with um, just heavy hearts, people that are um, just weary from the season, we pray that we would bring it under your gaze, that all of our lives would be exposed to you and to your great love for Amen. us. We ask Jesus that we would uh, be more like you in the way that you want to do. please Amen. your Father in everything. Um, and we want to be more like you in everything that we do. We just commit this time to you and uh, pray that you bless us in Jesus' name.
3: Amen. Amen. <laughs> the beauty of being uh, being married couples in the room uh, every now and then uh, we are identified as husbands and wives but peter also uses some other identifying language we call christians we called aliens we're called exiles we called all kinds of uh, things in this letter which was a circular letter doing the rounds uh, but uh, those two things of being aliens and exiles in this particular moment of of history uh with uh uh, you know economic meltdown viruses you guys are facing elections i don't know whether you feel like you are as married couples aliens and exiles if you're anything like us as you're getting on in years, you're longing for that ultimate end where we put an end to all the strife and the difficulty and the polarization and the tough conversations uh My sense is that God wants to remind us that we march to a different drumbeat, that we answer to a a different king, that we're learning as husbands and wives within the context of our marriages to uh, submit uh, our small C citizenship uh, in this life to the big C citizenship as uh, as these uh, members of God's household. And, it can, and we're supposed to feel strange, we're supposed to feel that our discipleship is happening in a, in, a, in a world that we don't fully belong to, a world that we're passing through. And it's so important that we unite around this identity language, even as husbands and wives. And I've got three big points uh, I want to share and then we'll pray some more at the end in terms of, I know you're going to have panel discussions. Uh, And I'm trying to root this conversation in the reality of what's going on right now in our moment in history. Uh, This passage, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls uh, to a faithful creator while doing good. And I want to give you three bits of uh, what I think are meaty, uh, 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 you know, uh, God ideas to take us through to strengthen our marriage to strengthen our teams if our marriages which are the microcosm of church leadership if they are strong uh we're going to be able to get through some of the stuff that's still before us some of the big giants so i want you to notice three things number one we're called to suffer number two we're called to trust and number three uh we're we're called to do good and uh it's 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 the language of let those who suffer according to God's will. I um, don't want to make it uh, you know heavy in any way, but being married to Rigby Wallace for Sue is a crucible of discipleship. It's tough. I know I'm good looking. I've got a you know a number of really good points. I make good coffee. Make good coffee <laughs> we make good babies. All of that stuff. Uh, but the truth is, uh, uh, if we're going to build strong. Marriages for the long haul we know, we need to know and have the conversations and do the hard work around how to suffer. And if we're going to suffer, we need to suffer well and in this passage uh, Peter alludes to the fact that we can suffer for sinful reasons. Like being a murderer or a thief or an evil doing and uh, evil do and I hope that as couples uh, we're not comp- contemplating any of those kind of uh, weird activities. But we can also suffer for stupid reasons. And Peter talks about uh, being a troublesome kind of uh, busybody or meddler. And, uh, you know, that kind of flirts with sin a little, but it's so important that we have sanctified conversations, that we're running in our lane as husbands and wives, uh, that we're not susceptible to all the fake news and conspiracy theories and they're not being downloaded into the sacredness of this one flesh relationship, that we're learning to, to lock our faith shields and say no to so many of those other voices. And uh, what a silly thing to allow those other voices. And what even is worse is when we as couples start to peddle some of the fake news and uh, uh know propaganda that's out there in, in many cases we're unaware but we are probably breaking the ninth commandment because so much of the stuff that gets forwarded on social media uh, needs to be fact-checked and very often Christians and even leaders I've noticed are very unwise and by doing that we're inviting in to our marriage and into our leadership household all kinds of I think unhelpful uh, voices but then there's this thing of, of learning to suffer well. We don't want to suffer for sinful reasons. We don't want to suffer for stupid reasons, but we will be called to suffer for sovereignty reasons. Where God, uh, even a, a little virus has brought the nations of the world to its knees. What would God sovereignly want to do? Yes, he may want to slow down the world. Yes, he might want to shake the world and reveal our wrong foundations. Yes, uh, uh, he may want to teach us our limits, that we, we, we might have uh, been masters of all kinds of technological development, but actually right now uh, we're, we're, we're on the back foot. We're not hundred percent sure how to navigate some of the complexities of this, this virus and the economic fallout has produced a kind of a, a, a blizzard uh, leading into a kind of a winter that might even be a mini ice age going forward. And God would would do that, and we get affected by that as couples, and we've got to learn to suffer well. We've got to learn to say, Lord, our lives are in your hands. We've got to learn. Sue and I have had uh, moments of crying in each other's arms at different times where one of us is soft around that sense of loss, that sense of deferred dreams, but it's all under the majestic, watchful, gracious loving hand of our good good father and it's so important that we bring our suffering as couples bring our suffering as leadership teams uh, to that place where it's earthed in the sovereignty of god and of course jesus is the most amazing example of how he embraced suffering and turned it into the greatest redemption story that uh, the world has ever known And secondly, you'll see in in Peter's language, he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will. If we're to suffer, then we need to, within this suffering, uh, entrust our souls to our faithful creator. We need to suffer well and trust well. Uh, God's saying to Rigby and Sue, guys, if you're going to trust me, then trust me well. If you're going to trust me, then trust me together. And so Sue and I have been spending months and months in this season uh, praying together, reading scripture together. Uh, uh, We've been doing Portraits, New Morning Mercies. We've been doing Tim Keller's Praying Through the Psalms. We've been doing our own Bible readings. We've been aligning ourselves. And then we go for these walks. And we make it our business to make sure that we are yielding our concerns and our fears to our faithful creator. He wasn't... He's not only faithful in times past, he is showing his faithfulness now in remarkable and most wonderful uh, ways. And I want to just prophesy over us and encourage us that our lives are not in the hands of governments. They're not in the hands, ultimately, of election results. Our lives are in the hands of our good, good father, our creator, who has wired us and who... Uh, is never caught by surprise and is anticipated this very moment uh, where we find ourselves in history. And so let's trust, but let's make sure we're trusting together. Let's trust well and let's live those kind of lives that are worth emulating, that are free from unnecessary anxiety. Yes, we're going to have some anxious moments, but they don't lead to anxious lives. And I hope that encourages you. and then I want to come into land uh, uh, on this last point, which, uh, which hopefully really just seals it all. Uh, he says, while we're uh, uh, learning to entrust ourselves to our faithful creator, uh, he says, while doing good. Isn't that an interesting verse, while doing good. Uh, we're never off the hook from being followers of Jesus who are stewarding our gifts and are using the power of this one flesh relationship to splash grace on those God puts in our lives. Those we call to love and lead those we call to, to bring the good news of Jesus to. And so I want to provoke you and, and charge you. Yes. Let's suffer well as husbands and wives and leadership team. Secondly, let's, let's trust God well in a, in a way that uh, uh, our lives and our hearts are being washed with God's promises and his renewing grace. But let's also do good. And this is a very interesting little charge. It's almost like the Holy Spirit has slipped it in there, uh, anticipating our tendency that when we're suffering or going through really difficult times, we think uh, that we have been given special permission to concentrate on ourselves, to... uh, to focus on our own needs. And uh, it's interesting, uh, why would God call us to also in this time do good? Why would he call us to lift our sights beyond ourselves? Because of the sufficiency of the grace of God that comes to us uh, in the scriptures, in the the seasons of prayer and uh, prophetic interaction, because God uh, is bringing the necessary grace that we need, we're going to find that God is giving us more than we need. You see, the grace of God doesn't come to us just for ourselves. It comes to us so that it might come through us uh, for the good of others. And so there's never a moment where we're on the back foot. There's never a moment where we back down or back off from being uh, this uh, amazing uh, uh, or being couples who are, are are bringing grace to their sphere and bringing grace to one another uh, uh, there's never a moment where, where uh, we have we've we've given a free pass from this it's our mandate it's our calling and god knows what he's invested in us and what can happen is because of the negativity bias of the media because of the loud noises around us very often we kind of get on the back foot and feel like we're in survival mode. And Peter's saying to these exiles, he's saying to these aliens, he's saying to those uh, who anticipate a glorious future to lift their sights and do good. And so I want to provoke us to a do-good uh, revolution. Sorry. <laughs> it's a revelation that leads to a revolution. I want to provoke us that it might just be in times like this that God comes and he says, I've got your name for something way bigger than, than just making it through uh, COVID-19. So excited to hear about PJ and uh, Monument uh, uh, developing a vision to plant into Frederick and some of the other surrounding towns like Baltimore. So exciting, so, so exciting to hear some of the stories that uh, uh, are your stories in the room. Uh, we planted a church, our 11th congregation in February, and in March we went into lockdown. And now they've got six small groups. They've developed an identity, and God is building his church through this time. Uh, and, and Sue and I have been approached by another couple to, uh, to consider uh, 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 buying, on behalf of Common Ground and Common Good, a retreat center that seats 255 people I don't want to say Sleep. too much. It's, Sleeps there, yeah. I don't want to say too much, but it's looking like this is going to be part of our inheritance in the worst time in our history, uh, in terms of the economics of our nation. It's like God must know something about the future, and He must be saying, "Hey, on the other side of these these uh, blizzards and winters and many ice ages, there's a spring and a summer." And I hope that we can inspire you to lift your gaze. And trust God for that uh, better day. And that, as couples, uh, uh, our regular challenge wherever we go is to provoke people to the 30-day challenge. As couples, find those five, 10 minutes a day to pray together, to share something around God's Word, to uh, to listen to each uh, to read each other's emotional logbook as you go on those prayer walks, and watch this amazing sense of god's sufficiency break over your lives for the good of your marriage and for the good of the teams mm. that you that you lead so friends let's suffer well let's trust god well and let's do well as we move forward and may much grace be upon you and i'm going to ask sue just to mm. to pray over us as we bring ourselves and our marriages and the next uh, number of hours that uh, you guys will be together before the Lord. Go for it, love.
2: Now, Jesus, once again, we just see you as our prime example in the way that you, you did suffer well and you trusted well and you never, ever gave up doing good. Um, we just ask Jesus that we would be more and more like you, more and more um, like you in the way that you pleased the Father, even to the point of taking you to the cross and to your death. And um, Jesus, we ask that you would, Mm. I I ask, Lord, that you would watch over each couple, each person in the room, each one who's heard this word, Lord, that this word would just take root and bring forth fruit, Lord. I pray for every marriage, every marriage Mm. where there's um, maybe difficulty, maybe um, just something that needs to move, something that needs to be lodged, something that needs to be removed jesus won't you please be at work and help each one of us to be first of all pleasing you making it a discipleship issue not a marriage issue that we would learn to walk the way jesus walked we thank you for that in in your name jesus
3: amen amen thank you for the privilege amen being in the room with you guys
0: well thank you guys so much i mean that was so densely packed and you know, the the thing that I love is that I, not only have they been married 44 years, they planted common ground 30-some years ago, as he mentioned... They just planted their 11th congregation. <laughs> they have no shortage of stories of just difficulty and, and tension in, in the, the life of ministry. Um, but you guys have just demonstrated such an incredible ability to keep filling it with faith. And so thank you guys. Can I get our couples up here for our panel? They're going to hang out and listen uh, in with us, uh, Rigby and Sue. But I'm going to call up the Smythes, the Durbans, and the Craigs. And we are just going to take about 20 minutes here to uh, also get some more sort of practical encouragement and insight from those among us. And then here, I'm going to grab everybody a microphone. You you only get one, PJ. PJ tried to take all three. I mean, we're going to hear you. <laughs> okay, good. Well, um, what a great group with uh, uh, a lot of marriage experience in ministry among you. Um, I just want to start real quick. Guys, how long have you guys been married down there on the end, the Smythes? Twenty-seven years. Woo! Twenty-seven years. And then the Durbans? Seventeen. Seventeen. Fourteen. Fourteen. Right on. So among you, you have, yeah, how many really have you been married? 14? Yes, okay. Beautiful. So I'm sure there's, we have various stories among us with different levels of experience. Um, so I want to just start with Uh, what stood out from, you know, what Rigby and Sue just said, you know, uh, when I'm sitting in my wife, sometimes it's an elbow in my ribs that makes me realize I need to be listening to something that was just said. Did we have any elbows in the rib moments, or uh, did you have your own just kind of aha of anything that came out of uh, what uh, we just heard? Is that
4: better? Um, I loved how um, Rick and Sue talked about suffering and suffering well together, because I think um, it's just such a good reminder that as Christians and then as couples, that we are going to walk through difficult seasons together. It's not going to be like a Disney fairy story, um, but to learn to suffer well. That's a um, yeah. You know, it's just such a great reminder, yeah. and not just that looking at that passage in Peter, that we're called to suffer well as Christians, but that we're called to suffer well as a couple within our marriage and walk through those tricky seasons well together. It's just such a good thing to keep building up our skill base and our faith and our trust in God in the suffering seasons. So thanks, guys.
0: Yeah, that's good. Anybody else on that one? I've got another question. I I,
5: I think the doing good... Mm not only to each other but for the kingdom's sake Mm. that in these times it's easy just to think about how how can i survive how can how can we stay healthy but the continuing of now we're here to receive grace not just for ourselves but for others yeah, such a good reminder.
0: That is good. I mean, uh, what I wrote down was when we suffer or go through difficult times it sometimes causes us to think we have permission to focus on ourselves yeah. and just to get a little bit real here in a moment um, what, what does that look like for, for you guys when, when you know you've, you've spun into the weeds or you backed yourselves into a corner of Focusing either on yourself or even on your own family and, and fail to look outward. Ben, you're, you're leaping for the microphone. Me, on all right, so <laughs>
6: it'd be self-pity, you know, most likely for, for me as a person, um, that we're the only ones going through this. And what kind of stood out to me from that is that idea of being the exile and the stranger. And um, like, that's part of our identity. And so we don't have to move to self-pity if you know this is part of your identity. You're not at home in this world. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of through the fire and through the trials and through the suffering that God refines us and that he brings um, just beauty out of that. And so Becky and I went through hard season, uh, not as a couple, but in ministry probably three years ago now. And I think that, that actually that suffering was refining for us in our marriage. Um, it felt strange, but we're not strange. And um, this is part of what God does in our lives. So I don't know if that made sense, but. Yes, listen, that's good.
0: Anyone else on that one? Where you know there's like yellow flags going up. Wait, we're we're starting to to do this. We're starting to do that thing of focusing more on ourselves. Are there are there co- telltale signs that help you go pause?
1: Yeah, I think um, dialing back on hospitality, or a warning sign even before that is feeling resentful about hospitality. That's good. So we've like. We've had more after-hours stuff. You know, it's a Zoom call at 8 o'clock with a couple because they didn't... They won't come to the big gatherings. (laughs) So they need personal help. And I think, this is 8 o'clock at night, and it's the only time they're willing to do it because that's when their little kid's in bed. And I get resentful about that. You know, that's a telltale sign for me that I'm sort of getting into self-pity and so on.
0: That's good. That's good. Because it's those practical things that are easy to miss. We'll blow by them, and it's too late <laughs> after a while. Uh, anybody else on that one? Ben, did you? Well, I just
6: in, in this season specifically, I can get frustrated, and I'll be honest. I'll see members of our church in Lowe's and Walmart or eating out or at a sports event, but not in, at church. I'm just going to throw that up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel better having just said it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. Shaking your fist at Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> that's good.
6: COVID only exists in church.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I to think me. too
7: it's it's always remembering that Sean isn't my enemy. I think that's what I I start realizing that I nitpick at him mm. when really I'm frustrated with what's going on around. It's just he's the closest thing to me, the closest person to me. So yes. instead I'd start directing to him and it's this check in me that says you can't, you can't do that, he's not the enemy. That's it's good. the enemy. That's
0: really good. So. so on that, one of the things I've noticed, and I, and I don't think it's just my wife and I, but with everything out of control, we tend to try to control the things that seem controllable. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any, <laughs> Ash is laughing. What are you trying to control, Ashley?
4: <laughs> so we recently did a, a marriage booster course um, with some of the young couples in our church, again, in an attempt to draw on the ones who are not coming. And we talked about, um, talking as a couple, what are the, asking each other the question, what can I do more of, and what can I do less of? And one of the things B J asked me to do less of was to stop telling him what to do when he's driving. <laughs> 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 and I just found I've got worse and worse, that they're like, <gasps> breaking, and then telling him what to do. <laughs> And it was originally born out of being very helpful because when I'm in the car, he tends to not concentrate on what he's doing. But I just found I've become i was so bossy and <laughs> taking control in the car, so I'm resisting manfully in the car. And this trying. is great. Tell him.
1: Tell him. Tell, the him, thing yeah. tell, tell him, Do him. more. Tell of us the story. Story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a council of witnesses on this one. Yeah. yeah if these were all tweets, t-
0: this one would be the most liked by the the guys.
4: <laughs> now you tell him. Come on, mate. <laughs> He told me he wanted more physical touch. If you know what I'm saying. We all know what you're saying. <laughs> how,
0: did we, how did we get into that? I, the question was about, well forget it.
1: It was so funny. So the, so the questions are do more and do less. And, and she thinks I'm a workaholic. So her one for me is do less. That was, that was it, just do less.
0: <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I gotta take control of this thing. The Smythes are off-road so at this point. He's actually trying
4: to control things yeah, he's yeah. got witnesses.
0: <laughs> Anybody else on that? I, I, I wanna pause on this thing of control because I do think that sometimes it is. It's just, you know, and, and if we can control the person closest to us, well, that's a win.
7: <laughs> okay. Well, and Sean will say sometimes, I just need to control something. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it will come out in, in us. <laughs>
5: yeah, I, actually, sometimes it's almost it works the opposite with us sometimes. It's like I'm having to make so many difficult decisions every day Yeah. that when I come home, she'll say, do you want meatloaf, do you want fish? I'm just like, just pick something. I, will, I promise I will like it, but I know you have a preference, Sean. No, just, just pick it. I just wanna sit at the table and somebody tell me what to do.
7: But then... <laughs> Yes, then I make the meatloaf because that sounded good to me and I'll say, did you like that? Yeah. It was okay. it's <laughs> yeah. good. good. It's true. It's yeah. true.
0: So, so I, I, I love the transparency here. This is what we're, we're just, we're letting it all hang out, which is good. Uh, so, so I'm interested though, because so you guys did get married later in life. How do you think that has with some of the typical things you've seen because you've Counseled in marriage, um, has that made it easier or harder or both and why?
5: Yeah, I think it's as you, as you hopefully, hopefully after the age of 25, you start getting wiser. You know? <laughs> but and, not until then. <laughs> and I think that part is frustrating in premarital counseling because it's like you see the train wrecks and where they're about to happen and you go, oh, Dude, just wake up and smell the coffee, come yeah. on, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, this is not the way to have a good marriage. So I, I think that's frustrating for us, but it also gives us the advantage of saying we can help you not have some of the train wrecks that everyone else yeah. has because we've been down the road a peace so. Yeah.
7: Well, and the great advantage is that we, when we were married, we'd already been through our friends' marriage and divorces and, and marriages, we'd watched yeah. a lot of the things that caused a lot of strife in relationships. And we had made really dumb choices before we were married too, mm. so um, at, it, we're able to, to say, you know, no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, one of the things that uh, they talked about early on, Rick said, uh, the, it's important to keep the sacredness of the one flesh relationship, keeping out distraction. He talked about fake news, social media, to maintain purity. What do you guys do to do that? And, and I, you, you may have gone, yeah, I should probably be doing that. But I know among all of you, there's things you do to just keep hitting that touchstone of, the sanctity the purity the sacredness of marriage what are some of your best practices that you can share with the group
5: that keep that pure fresh alive sacred so so this is super simple but i i think we got it from tim keller's book on marriage every night and we started doing this during covid especially so we're not like do devotions every night i know some of you guys are much closer to Jesus, and that works for you. Uh, We do our devotion separately, but every night we started saying, we're going to, yeah, uh, we're going to give things to Jesus before Mm. we go to sleep. And it's just a super simple thing, but before we go to sleep, we say, Lord, we're about to go to sleep. We give you all of the things that we cannot solve all the huge problems of the world, all the heavy Good. burdens, all the pe- and we'll name maybe some people in our church that are suffering. God, we don't know what to do, but we're gonna go to sleep, you never slumber, mm. you never sleep, take these burdens. And there's something about that remembering that we're in this together, yeah. and we hold hands and just say, Lord, we give yeah. that to you. And it's just like two minutes or three mm. minutes, mm. and it just it's really helped us just that commitment every night to do that with Jesus. That's great. That is good. Do you guys have anything that cool?
0: (laughs) No. Mm
8: -hmm. (laughs) We have lots of cool children. Um, So I was actually thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. We have chaos. Yeah. Lots of it.
0: Up until bed throughout the Um. night.
8: (laughs) We're just now getting to a place that our kids actually go to bed at the same time is like our little kids our older kids we just send them away but um yeah we aspire I think to be more like that but honestly it's really not the stage of life we're in um
0: that's good though Becky because there's a lot of people there, yeah but I know you guys also fight for this and that that thing Rigby was talking about, what do you feel like if you had to sort of go, oh, this, this is that? You may not have thought about it in that way, but what helps keep that sacredness and the intimacy uh, with you guys in that way?
8: So I think because of the fact that we have four kids and they're always going and there's always something to do, um, we have to get intentional about leaving. Like, especially for me, because I have a never-ending to-do list and even when the list is done, it's not good enough. But if I get outside the house, then we can connect and um, I don't think about all those things. So that's what we have to be really intentional to get away, to come to things like this, to be poured into. Um, and do that several times a year and yeah. forget the mom guilt that I... Yeah. I mean, I used to be like, "Oh, we can't leave, but now I just have to lay that down and it's know how important it is that we have to connect to to stay on you know on mission and on track with what god's called us to
6: that's good good. yeah i would say most of it's actually around rest for us right now like figuring Mm. out how to rest and and pray together most of our prayer points and times are what our kids are going through with all four kids how do we need to pray for them how do we need to how can we help you know, our 15-year-old, our 12-year-old, our 8-year-old now? We have a girl with a birthday today. We're missing her birthday. and um, Our 5-year-old. So
8: Mom you know, guilt. Mom guilt. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
6: but on that note, not, this is separate. We're missing six games, I think, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, watching our kids. They're going to be okay. Mm, and mm. so we're teaching our kids. We're at most of them, but we're teaching our children sports are not our God. Mm. and that Jesus says sometimes mommy and daddy have to go and and serve Jesus. They're going to be fine.
0: That's a good one. That's a good one. I think, Becky, just you're talking about getting out. You know, my wife says a similar thing. This is like my office. I need to leave. Like, would you want me to come in and, and, you know, have sex in your office? And I'm like, (laughs) Amen. are you really asking? (laughs) But but I get it. All that said, I, I get it. Now I'm off the rails. Okay, smiles.
4: It's hard to recover from that. (laughs) Um, uh, Mine is a little bit similar to your guys. Like I agree with you getting away um, in terms of ministry things, because otherwise it can become slipping into being his thing. Like if I'm distracted on a sort of Mm. parallel track, even resentment for the church can grow. But getting away to things like this, it feels like we're on the same page. If he comes back with faith for something, I'm not going, what? That doesn't seem like a good idea. I've got mutual faith. But just also personally in that personal sacred is um, keeping remembering why we love each other and why we fell in love in the first place and having fun and you know you're my favorite person so uh, you know you talked about rest but planning days off well, planning holidays well, getting away and making sure that we're relaxed enough that we're having fun because sometimes you can go away for a night or two take so long to relax that you come back relaxed and go straight back into the to-do list. So, yeah, I think having fun.
1: I was interested, amen to all that, Ash, I was interested that Riggs started off uh, early on, he said, um, don't let things inside your marriage, you know, and he mentioned conspiracy theories and so on. We, um, it's a small thing, but we're determined not to let the spirit of over-politicization... Yeah. We want healthy politicization, but not over-politicization into our home. So we really make an effort to humanize rather than demonize talking heads on TV. You know, when we completely disagree with them, I think they're a plonker for saying that, (laughs) one of us will usually say, um, yeah, but something to humanize them. Like, but imagine the pressure on him or on her. And I'm sure... I'm sure she's just a normal lady, you know, or whatever it is. It's just little things just so that we don't go down a a crazy, unhelpful, biased route that just brings angst into the home.
0: Excellent. That is so good. Well, we are out of time. I could keep doing this for a while, but thank you guys for sharing, being transparent with us, and, and helping all of us a little bit with that.